So we are, we're in a series today, we're in a series called, um, called Money Pit, and, um, and I'm just telling you, I, I hope, how many people went last week and looked up, had to look up the movie Money Pit, <laughs> right, right, and find out, some of you have never heard of that, don't know what that's about, but uh, I want to begin by saying that money is God's idea, God who Clint talked about, who loves us and loves us as his children and wants good things for us and wants to, to bless us, that God came up with this idea. He created this system of money and how money works. And, and, and the good news in this is that God cares about your financial situation, right? I mean, he really does. So tell your neighbor, say, God cares about your financial situation, all right? And God wants to bless you in every way. I really do believe that God wants to bless you. This includes in every way, and that does include financially. God wants us. I believe God wants his people to prosper. Now, I was waiting for the, oh, wait a minute. They said the word prosper in church. Is this a prosperity gospel church? Is this one of those churches that, you know, they, they just, just it's all about prosperity, all about money, all those type of things? Is that, well, if I have a choice between being a poverty gospel person and a prosperity gospel person, I'm going to choose prosperity. But those aren't our only choices. I believe, we believe in a provision gospel. We believe that God is our provider and that God loves to provide for his children and that in this provision that he makes for us, God always, he doesn't provide just enough, he provides more than enough. He provides enough plus margin, okay? Uh, I don't know about you, but I like to uh, occasionally, this, this week I made a very tragic, tragic mistake. Uh, Friday, I decided to take uh, Jack and Noah, my uh, two grandsons. Uh, I was going to be super, super pop, and so um, I pick them up, and we're going to go. I said, hey, let's go to Chick-fil-A at the mall. Okay, come on, everybody say hallelujah for Chick-fil-A. All right, uh, um, let's go to Chick-fil-A at the mall, and then we'll ride some of those rides, you know, the little coin-operated rides and stuff. Little did I know. It was tax-free sales day. Now, I've repented for all the things I thought and said during that hunting for a parking spot. But uh, getting there and then looking into my wallet and finding out I don't like to have, I, I didn't, or looking in my wallet and finding out I didn't have any money in my wallet. Thank God for credit, for plastic, right? So... But um, God does want us to prosper. He wants us to have enough. He wants us to have enough to meet our needs and to be able to share with others. And so um, I'm just telling you, God wants to see you blessed. And, and I personally believe that most people, most people want to live well. Most people want to, to, to not have to worry from day to day about where their food's going to come from and, and where their, um, you know, if their electric's going to get turned off or not. Most people want to be able to, to provide for their families. And, to, and I really do think that most people, most believers, most followers of Jesus Christ, that they want to support the work of the kingdom of God. They want to see people saved. They want evangelism and outreach to take place. They want to support missions. Am I talking to the right people today? Yes. Is that who you are? Amen. Amen. That's what we want. We want to do that. 
And so that's why we're talking about money pit, because God doesn't want you in a money pit. Now, you can go back and review from last week where we talked about some perspectives and some principles and practices. And, and the two, two, I think, main ideas that we could take away from last week was, is that one, is that money is not really the issue. That a lot of times it's not about the, the, the money and giving money and having, it's really about a heart issue. It's about where are we putting our trust and putting our confidence. And then the second thing is that it comes back to this principle of ownership. Do we believe, do we trust that God owns everything, including our lives, and that we can trust him with our lives? Do you trust the Lord today? Amen. I'm telling you, he's, he's great to trust. Amen? So today, let's jump into Money Pit Part 2. And, um, and, and in this, I would just say that, that first and foremost, God does not want you in a money pit. Okay, or any other kind of pit, <laughs> all right? Anybody ever been in a pit? I mean, most of us have been in a pit. Only, only my daughter and son-in-law, there are only two. How many people have ever been just in a tough situation? You've been in a pit. You've, uh, you've had some things go on in your life. You've been in some very difficult situations. And when you're in a pit, you know, I mean, sometimes you might want to spend time thinking about, well, how did I get into the pit? But it, it really doesn't matter how you got in the pit. It really doesn't matter if you fell into the pit, okay? Maybe you didn't know what was going on. You weren't paying attention. Maybe you got into a financial pit because nobody ever taught you how to handle money. You've never had any experience about it. You, you just didn't know, so you fell into a pit. Maybe you were pushed into a pit, okay? Uh, maybe you were pushed into some bad, circum some bad circumstance uh, took place. Maybe the economy went bad. And, and, and because of the economy, years ago, a few years back here in, in Texas, the bottom fell out of the housing market. And there were a lot of people that really went through some very difficult times and, and were in the pit because of the economy, because of circumstances. Um, but aren't you glad? I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God's economy is better than the economy of America. Amen? And his economy is economy, an economy that we can trust in. So maybe your industry went out. We know that a lot of things here in East Texas have been tied to the oil industry, and that's kind of uh, volatile and up and down. And, and so things change. Maybe you got pushed into the pit, or possibly you jumped into the pit. <laughs> okay, how many people have ever just like, I just went head, I just jumped in the pit. I lost my mind. I went crazy. I, I charged more than I should have charged. I spent more than I should have spent. I was not wise with my finances, and I just jumped in the pit, and I'm here in the pit. You know what? Well, you're not alone. As a matter of fact, in the book of Haggai, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 6, it says this. It says, you've sown much, and you bring in little. Anybody ever lived there? Woo, feel like I'm working all the time, not bringing anything home, right? You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages and puts them into bags with holes. Anybody ever thought, where is the money going? I mean, where, what, how does this happen? I mean, what is going on? I can tell you that, that some of us have chose to live the high life when we really needed to be living at ground level, right? <laughs> so, and, and, and we've spent money and we've done things and just we've lived lasciviously. We've lived without control. We've lived just uh, doing whatever we wanted. And then we found out that once we wrote that check, we didn't have enough to pay for it, right? And can I tell you that, that most people, most people have gone through those type of situations, 
There are people here in this congregation. A, a couple of years ago, we had a family that they were, they were over $1.5 million in debt. And, and little by little, God brought them out and helped them. And, 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 and they got out of the pit, and their head was up, is up above uh, the pit now, and they're looking forward to, to living in a better place. I know personally that there have been times when Yvette and I have, and our family has been in very difficult situations. There have been at least two times when we had to take out second mortgages on our home just to, to help cover things and fix things and do things, um, mistakes that we were made, sometimes circumstances. Uh, just last week after church, Pastor Chris and I were, uh, were talking, and, or, or was it, maybe it was Wednesday night, and a lady came up to us and she said, oh, I've just got to tell you, a couple of years ago, we were $200,000 in debt, $200,000 in debt, and she started to go into all the mistakes that her husband had made, and, uh, and she said, he did this, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this, you know, I was like, okay, okay, you know, and then she said, but you know what? God is good, God is faithful, and we were faithful, and, and, and we got back into the habit of tithing and giving. Can we tell you, today we're out of debt. Can I tell you, yeah, let's give the Lord a hand for that, amen? The good news is that no matter what pit you're in, how deep the pit is that you're in, can I tell you, God doesn't want you in the pit. God doesn't want you in the pit, and he can help you get out and stay out of the pit. So I want to share with you some ways today that God can help you to get out or stay out of the money pit. Ready? Number one. You ready? Here we go. Number one, stop digging. Stop digging. If you're in a hole, stop digging, all right? Don't just keep spending like crazy, okay? So the question is, stop digging. Do you have a right view of money? Are you continuing to do things that are not, um, that are not going to be beneficial? So I, I think the first thing we want to do is to check our heart. Why am I having problems with money? Uh, Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6 puts it like this. It says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. How many people are really content with just food and clothing? No, but thank you for being honest. Okay, very few of us, right? Very few of us. But you know what? God's going to take care of those basic needs, correct? He says, but those who desire to, fall, to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many, listen to these words, I'm not saying this, God's saying this, all right? Foolish and harmful lusts. Anybody ever, and you know what? The world tries to push it on us. Commercials. Man, I've, I've been sitting at home, been very content, you know, eating my popcorn, watching television, and all of a sudden they come on and show this. You're still watching television on that little rinky-dinky thing? You know, when Danny Tice was here a couple of uh, months back ago, he, he uh, kept saying he got a, his, his children, or my children here, his children got him a large, big, like a 55, 60-inch flat screen, 4K, high-def television. And, and he was sitting there with me. He goes, how do you even watch television on this thing? I was like, well, I felt pretty good about it until you said something. You know what I mean? It's like, and how many people have ever been, you know, and like I felt I've really been okay with what I've got until they tell me that I don't have something good and I need more. So have we fallen into these foolish and harmful lusts which drowned men in destruction and perdition? For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from their faith in their greediness 
greediness, God forgive us for greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You know, the, the truth of the matter is that, that, that there's pleasure in sin for a season. Right? It, there's pleasure in, in going crazy and spending more money until the bill comes in, until the credit card bill comes in, right? It, it really is. It, man, it's great to go out there and buy those new things and new stuff and all that until you have to start paying for it, right? So, so the first thing we want to do is stop digging. So check your heart. Let's be sure that we're, that we're not allowing the love of money to influence our lives. The second thing I would say is let's shut the door on any negative influences. Let's shut the door on anything that tries to associate money and possessions with our identity. Amen? Now, I want to specifically address two quick things here. One is, and this is something as we've been praying about this series I just think there's a lot of people that walk around with this orphan spirit. Now, we could do a whole sermon, a whole message about what this orphan spirit is. But the bottom line of this orphan spirit is, I've got to be the one to take care of me. Nobody loves me enough. I can't trust anybody. So if I do trust somebody, they're going to hurt me. So I'm responsible for me. And a lot of times what they say is, listen, yeah, those good things might work for everybody else, but there's something different or something wrong about me. And that orphan spirit says, so I've got to just kind of isolate myself, pull back, and I've got to do my own thing. And can I tell you this? The Bible says that men who trust in men open themselves up to be cursed. We open ourselves up for bad things. We open ourselves up for very different, for very wrong things. So first thing I would say is we're not going to let things identify us. We're not going to, we're not going to identify that with an orphan spirit because we have a father because who loves us and cares for us, and we're a part of the family of God, and, and we're not on our own. We can trust God, amen? amen? And the second thing would be very similar would be a poverty spirit. It's the spirit that says things like this. It's, it either says, if I had more money, it would fix all my problems. Anybody ever, you don't have to raise your hand. I've thought that. I've thought that. Man, it's just more money. More, if I could get more money, then life would be easier. Things would be easier. Uh, you know, uh, then I'd be okay. The, the other problem, the, the, the other part of this poverty spirit is um, it says that I'm never going to have enough. I'll never have enough, and, 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 and if I do get some, then there's a belief, there's a subtle belief in our hearts that says that something bad is going to happen, that, that, that we're always kind of watching for the, the next wave to come along and take our feet out from under us. Now, folks, I'm telling you, what, that what I, I know what I'm talking about here because this was something that operated in my family. Um, and again, I won't go into all the details, but my, my grandfather owned a, big, owned a business years and years and years ago, and then through a course of events, lost that business. Okay, I mean, it, it got, he got sued, and he lost the business. Uh, many years later, my, my parents had a, a farm, a, a big chicken farm, and through some, some bad investments, they ended up having that farm foreclosed on. Yvette and I, many of you know, have a business, and, and uh, again, at least two times, we've had to, to do um, um, second mortgages on our home at one point in time, went and talked to a bankruptcy attorney about bankruptcy, and can I tell you that all of a sudden, I began to notice that there was a generational pattern 
that was flowing through our lives. And we really did through, you know, getting, hearing from God and freedom ministry. We said, hey, no, this thing is not going to operate in our lives. The, the poverty spirit doesn't, dis, uh, doesn't define who I am. And can I tell you that, that we shut the door on that thing and said, that's not going to operate. We're under the covering of Almighty God. God is the, our provider. God is the one that he's the one that, that establishes heritage. And, and so now we're not living in a, in a fallen heritage or a twisted and distorted heritage. We're living in a godly heritage, and that's what we're going to pass on to the future. Amen? And so for maybe for some of you, there have been some bad patterns and things that have gone in your lives. And can I tell you, the bottom line is that they're fear-based. I can't trust God. I can't look to God. And I'm telling you, you can look to God. God will take care of you. God loves you, and his love will cast out all fear in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So, uh, the next thing I think, think we should do is we just need to talk to God about this, our situation. And for some of us, we need to repent. We need to repent for some of the things that we've done. We need to have a change of mind about how we've lived and change of direction in, in the way that we've been living. We need to forgive ourselves even as God forgives us. Sometimes we keep beating ourselves up and beating ourselves up and beating ourselves up. And can I tell you, God has already forgiven you. So forgive yourself and let's expect God to do some great things in our lives. Amen? Okay, number two. After we've stopped digging, let's start moving in a new direction. Okay? Don't just sit there. Okay? Just don't stay in the hole. Don't sit down. Start climbing out of the hole. There's an old saying that says the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Well, if you didn't plant a tree 20 years ago, the second best time is right now, okay? The second best time to get things moving is right now. Many of us today, the, 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 the blessing and the benefit, the shade that we're living in is because of things that other people planted. And can I tell you that we are people who need to be thinking about leaving, um, we need to be thinking about the next generation. I want people to be able to live in the shade and live, live in the blessing of what's going on in our lives, in my life right now. Amen? I don't want to leave a tree, I want to leave a whole oasis. How's that sound, right? Let's do that, let's do that. So, do, what do you do there? What's the new thing? We're going to start praying. We're going to pray. We're going to talk to God. We're going to ask God to bless us. We're going to ask God to give us wisdom and to give us understanding. We're going to, act, we're going to say, God, here, we submit everything that we are, everything that we have to you, and you take it and use it the way that you want to use it. The second thing that we're going to do is we're going to tithe, okay? We're going to tithe. I know we talked about that last week. Um, <laughs> amen. Um, last week, we gave money away, and people didn't come back, so I don't know what happened about that. <laughs> All right, but tithing shows God, okay, that we really are, that we trust him, that we acknowledge his ownership, that we're walking in obedience to him. And I don't know how you guys do it, but we always do it as an act of worship. To say, thank you, God, for your provision. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. God, we want you to know that in all that you've done in the past, we will continue to do it in the future. We will continue to trust you in the future. The scripture's in Malachi chapter 3, and we read it last week, but he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And he says, try me now in this, says the Lord. Let me prove, and God says, let me prove my faithfulness. Let me prove my love. Let me show you my character as you bring the tithes into the storehouse, as you continue to show your faithfulness. And I love this part where he says, and I, verse, um, verse 10, he says, and try me and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. I'll pour out blessing on you, such blessing that there won't be room enough to receive it. 
How many people want to live that kind of life? I want to live a life that's so full of the flow of the blessing of God. Not possessing the blessing, but that we're flo- the blessing is flowing through us and touching and impacting others. There will not be room enough to receive it. And he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. On one end, God opens the windows of heaven. On the other end, he shuts the door on the works of the enemy in our lives. He says, then he won't destroy the fruit of your ground. He won't uh, destroy the fruit in your field, and you'll be blessed. And people will see the blessing of God upon your lives. I pray, we pray, that every person sees that the blessing of God on your life in every way, and even financially, is so, is so obvious that people have to say, wow, God has blessed them. Wouldn't that be a great testimony to live under? Amen? Third thing I think we should do is we should practice sowing and reaping. Now, we talked a little bit about this last week. But listen what 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says. It says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower, God, where's the seed come from? It comes from God. Where does our resource come from? It comes from God. Where does our ability to work and to make income come from? It comes from God. Where does our ability to, to, to give? It comes from God. He supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness where you are enriched in everything. You see, God God says, hey, listen, if you'll be faithful in this area, you'll not just receive. If you'll sow in this area, if you'll give the first and the best to God, he won't just bless it in one area. He'll bless it in all areas so that you'll be enriched in everything for all liberality. Okay, That's why he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, he says this, he says, cast the, thy bread upon the waters, for you shall find it after many, day, after many days. Now again, this is not a give to get heart, that's a wrong heart. A give to get says, I'm going to sow, I'm going to trust God, I'm going to pour out. Chapter, verse 4 says this, it says, he that, does, he that observeth the wind uh, shall not sow, he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. Okay, you know, what, you know what it's saying here? It's saying if all you can do is make excuses and see reasons that you can't be obedient, see reasons that you can't give, I can't afford it. I, I, there's not enough. I don't make enough. I, you know, if, if all you can come up with are excuses, this is what this is, is saying. It said, man goes out to the field and he looks and he sees a little teeny cloud way out in the distance. He goes, oh man, it might rain today. I better not plant this seed. Another man comes along and goes, oh, you know what? The wind looks like it's going to blow too hard. I better not plant that seed. It might get blown away. Always looking at the things that might happen instead of believing and trusting in a God who determines what will happen. Amen? So we, we want to be people who live like this. Verse 6 sums it up. It says, In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not your hand. For thou knowest not whether that one shall prosper, either this or that, and I love this, it says, or whether they both shall end up being good. I've loved this statement. We've learned it over the last few years that sometimes with God, it's not either or. Sometimes it's both and. God says, I want to bless you with both. I don't want you to have to make a choice between this or that. You get to do both. Amen? You get to do that. And that's the kind of God that we serve. So the next thing I would encourage is to live generously. Live generously. God's generous. He gives us life. He gives us a purpose in life. He gives us just abundance of promises. Anybody ever read a promise from God? He's going to be with us. He'll never leave us. He'll take care of us. He'll bring health to our bodies. He'll, he, all the things that God promises that he will do. You know what? God is a giver. And if we are God's children, part of our DNA is to be givers. 
It's to be givers. Proverbs 11 says this, the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Ecclesiastes 11.2 says, Give a serving to seven, also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. What he's saying is, don't just give to just one. Don't just look to bless one person. Look for an expectation to bless many people. Amen? I know last week we told you to go out and look for somebody that you'd be able to bless. Today, I want you to look for lots of people that you can bless. Don't just bless your server, right? Maybe God's going to tell you to buy somebody's lunch. Amen? Does God ever speak to you like that, to buy somebody's lunch? Y'all, right? Y'all do that, right? I'm just, I'm just assuming that there's times you go through the drive-thru and you pay for the person behind you, right? Yeah. <laughs> we lost some people there. It's a great practice, man. It's an amazing thing. You'll be blessed for it, all right? So give and remember what we talked about last week, that sometimes if we're holding on, trying to hold on to things, that those closed hands can really reflect a closed and a hard heart. That's not who we are. We're people with living hearts, hearts of flesh that want to bless God, want to obey God, bless God. Amen? So doing all these things, to do all these things well, we must be faithful stewards. we got to learn how to steward things faithfully. We're not going to take the time to read the whole chapter there, but I encourage you to go to Matthew chapter 25, and there's the story told of a master, of an owner, who has some servants working for him, and he calls three of the servants in. To one of them, he gives, uh, to one of them, he gives five talents, to another two, and to another one. And then the scripture says this, according to his ability. Now, I, I want to I kind of talk about this just for a second, because sometimes I think we get the belief that, oh, some people just have more ability than other people. I don't think that's what the scripture's saying. I think what's happened is the master's been watching people while they work. He's been watching them out in the field, and he says, man, look at that guy. He, he really works hard. He works diligent. He's one who, who um, observes, and so the master's observing, and he's saying, oh, that's, that's a guy. Man, I can trust that guy, and here's another guy, and this guy over here I'm really not sure of, but I'm going to give him a chance. So he gives five, two, and one. And then we read what happens. The guy with five goes out, and he makes five more. And the guy with two goes out, and he makes two more. And the guy with one doesn't do anything. He hides it. He lets fear dictate his life. And the scripture goes on, and it says this. It says that when the master came back, he came back to get, said, I want to see what's happened. I want to see what's going on. And I don't want to get too heavy about this. But can I tell you that, that there is a reckoning day that's coming and there's a time when, when as God's people with all that he's given us, the opportunities that he's given us to worship him, the, the opportunities to be witnesses for him, the opportunities uh, of how we've used our time, how we've used our resources, all of those type of things, okay, and even our finances, all of those things. And, th- and that's the context of this scripture. You know, sometimes I know people read this and say, oh, talents. Well, that means I can give my time, I can give my energy, and that kind of counts. Well, that does count, but this is talking about money. As a matter of fact, this term talent here is a little bit of a uh, debate historically. Some people say it was a, a, a year's salary. Some people say it was five years' salary that he entrusted to them to use for his work in the kingdom. And, uh, and he comes back and says, I want to know how you used it. And if you used it well, you're going to be blessed. And if you don't use it well, then look what the, look what the master said. He says, uh, the guy says, look, I was afraid and I hid your talent. And look, here, I'm just going to give you back this, this one that you gave me. 
And, and, and that would seem to be fair, except here's the Lord's answer. And he says, you wicked and lazy servant, you know that I reap where I've not sown, gather where I've not scattered seeds, so you have ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And when I'm coming back, at least I would have had some interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. Listen to this. For everyone who has, more will, given, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. He will have an abundance. God's not afraid of us having an abundance. God's not afraid of us having stuff. You know what he's afraid of? He's not really afraid of anything, but you know what he's concerned about? He's concerned about stuff having us. Right? He's, he's concerned about what owns us. And so, so that we can make sure that we're good stewards, we're gonna, I'm going I'm to wrap up with this final thing here. I think that there's something that every one of us, every one of us needs to use, a tool that we can use to help us be good stewards in the area, in the area of finances. Now, how many people here use a calendar to kind of organize your life and stuff? Now, a couple, some time back, we did a, a series on margin, and we put a big calendar up here on the wall, uh, up here on the stage, and we, we talked about how the calendars are not there to tell us what to do, they're there to tell us what we want to be and to help organize our lives. I um, share some, a Google calendar, calendar with some different people. I love one of those people, every morning they have blocked out on their time with God. Time with God. Time, it's already blocked out. It's on their calendar. It's on their schedule. I appreciate the fact that Pastor Chris does that. I'm serious. I, I, I've said this before. I love the fact that on his Google calendar, he's got date night every week on his calendar. Okay? Right? Okay. Yeah. Right? My wife puts in date week, so I don't know. So, um, all right. But I'm saying these are, we got to do these things. I want to talk to you about budget for just a minute, all right? I just want to look at Have we offended anybody yet? So, no, the ones that we offended left. All right, well, we're hanging here. Okay, I know budget can be a bad word, but I really do believe that a budget, okay, that a budget is something that can help us plan. How many people know that if we fail to plan, we plan to fail? Amen? We fail to plan, we plan to fail, and nowhere is this more true than in, in the area of finances. I believe that a budget is not a, as much a financial document as it is a theological document. I, I think a budget talks about what we believe. I, I think that a budget speaks to the idea that says, hey, listen, all these resources are God. I believe that I've been entrusted with them to handle them in a way that's going to profit him, that's going to make him proud, that's going to benefit his work in his kingdom. So I believe that the budget helps us to be faithful, okay? We're already going to be faithful in tithing. A budget helps us to be faithful with the rest of it. It, it really does. So real quickly here, a budget does not limit us, okay? It, in, it empowers us to live intentionally. A, a budget helps us to develop new habits. Now, 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 some of us might be in that place in our life right now where we need to develop some new habits. From season to season, Things change. There, there, there was a season of time, and we were talking, Yvette and I were talking about this the other day and some of the family, that uh, my, my kids thought the, the only thing, <laughs> I was sharing this and, and uh, this story about, they, they thought the only restaurant that we were allowed to go to, it was like a religious conviction, was Taco Bell, you know? And, and the only thing we could order was the grande meal, right, you know? And, and you split it up among you, okay? 
Now, and, I'm, and there was a season of life, guys, I'm telling you, that it wasn't a choice. It wasn't a choice of where do you want to eat. It's a choice of what do you want? Do you want water or in a big cup or a little cup? You know what I mean? That's just a, it, it's just a choice. And so for a season, you have to make some of those changes. Um, Taylor said the other day, I was telling her this story. She said, I thought we went to Taco Bell because we liked it. I went, really? That's what I mean. But, but um, so... You know, where you eat doesn't make you who you are, right? Now, some places you eat there too often, it might make you, uh, but I mean, that's a whole different lesson here, okay? The car you drive doesn't make you who you are. Maybe, maybe for a season, you need to step back on some things. You need to rein some things in. You need to tighten up where you're spending some money and how you're spending money, and you're used to eating five-star, and maybe you need to eat no-star. You know what I'm saying? And, and maybe you need to rein some things in. You need to step back so that you can step up. I've known people, and there was a family a couple of years ago, a few years ago that I dealt with. They were $35,000 in debt. And they got a conviction that says, this isn't where God wants us. He doesn't want us to live this way. And so they, 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 they actually moved out of the house they were in or the apartment. They moved into a, they downsized. They moved into a smaller place. They, they, they got rid of a car and they, it was inconvenient. But can I tell you that, that things that are convenient won't help you get out of debt. They won't help you live the way that God wants you to live. You may get to a place where you can live convenient, but if you're not there now, then live where you're at so God can take you where he wants you to be. Amen? And so they did, and they, he, they, they both picked up extra jobs, and in about three years, they paid off $35,000 worth of debt. Hallelujah. How many people say, yay, thank you. What's the, uh, everybody, the, the, the Dave Ramsey yell, the freedom yell, woo, right? Debt free, debt free, yes. I'm telling you, so some of us, we need to do that. I want to tell you, debt's not your friend. There's a whole bunch of statistics that you can look up on what debt uh, is doing to America. But debt, I'm just telling you, debt is not your friend. And in some, I won't, I won't push this too hard, but can I tell you that sometimes I really do think that you making the choice to go into debt is an offense to God. Because you know what it's saying? It's saying, God, your current level of provision for me isn't good enough. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to, I'm going to live how I want, whether you like it or not. Rather than saying, God, I'll trust you where I'm at. It's not comfortable where I'm at. It's not easy where I'm at. But God, I'd rather be pleasing to you than be over here in this pit. Amen? So, so I think that we need to, we need to have a budget. And can I, can I say this? I had a, years ago, I heard this story about a guy that, um, that they, his family, he and his wife and family, they created a budget and they called it Benny, uh, Benny the Bud Jet. Benny the Jet. Benny the Budget. Okay? And so when it came time to make, <laughs> to make decisions, you know what they did? They would say, okay, we want to go and buy something. We want to go and do something. They'd go, instead of the husband and wife, and you've probably never been there. We've been there a couple times. Yes, I want to do it. No, we're not going to do it. Yes, we're going to do it. And, and you know, I said, no, we're not going to do it. And then while we're doing it, it just really, you know, it's very, it's, it's difficult. But we, having a budget removes the emotional process of decisions. So they'd go and they'd say, well, what does Benny say about it? And Benny said, we can't afford it today. Okay, so we don't have to get mad at each other. We can get mad at Benny, right? So, okay. I heard Robert Morris tell the story one time. They had a, they, they had a Mr. Budget, and he said that uh, he shared that, and somebody in their church said that one of their children said, I pray Mr. Budget dies. I just pray <laughs> Mr. Budget you know? um, There have literally been times when I have seen our budget on the floor with footprints on it. I mean, it's like... <laughs> 
budgets are there to help you. So listen, folks, I'm just telling you, I want you, God wants you to be blessed, uh, really practical. If you don't have a budget, you need help with a budget. There's all kinds of resources and tools and people that will help you. Kenny Lang's dad, I think this is great, um, uh, prepares, he's a financial planner and does different things and uh, prepared this, helped this, uh, to help Kenny to establish a a budget and work through a budget. If you don't have a budget, you, you don't know how to do a budget, you've never been taught about the budget, please talk to us. There are people, there are people right here that would be more than happy to sit down with you and help you to take the next step in it. So, so a budget's a great tool. I, I mean, it really is. And parents, let me say this. If you're not talking to your kids about money, if you're you know, huddling over in the corner and going, I don't want the kids to know how much money we don't have, Man, you might, the way that you're treating money, the way that you're acting and talking about money, you might be putting some wrong beliefs into your kids about money. You, you need to, I think you need to talk to them and you need to teach them and you need to show them that, that money doesn't really grow on trees and it, it doesn't matter what their friends have and how their friends live and, and we're going we're gonna to be content with who we are today because, you know, God is a good God and, and he's got a purpose for our lives. Amen? And so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna teach them. So it's a great thing. It's a great thing to do. So learn learn, okay? I, I will say this, that I found out, and I apologize, going a little bit long here, I apologize. Um, I found out the best time, it's not the best time to prepare a, mud, a message like this while you're doing your taxes, okay? I, so let me, here's my, my revelation from this past week. Keep good records. Somebody say amen. Keep good records. No, put a, every, Dave Ramsey says, every dollar has a name. Some of mine have just been, see you later. I mean, that was their name. It was like, they were, we're out of here. Okay. But man, have, have a plan and work the plan. And then while I'm here, I might as well jump on this one just real quickly. Credit cards, okay, credit cards. We got any gun carriers? Credit cards, right? <laughs> Let me say, don't, don't use credit cards for credit. Use them for convenience, okay? I, I mean, credit cards are not your friend. They, they will help you stay in the pit. So there's a lot of things that you can do. There's all types of strategies that you can do. Read, read, listen, listen to Dave Ramsey. I would encourage, if you haven't listened to any of Robert Morris's teaching on finances, the blessed life, man, you need to read that. But, but you've got to be, you have got to be the one that says, takes responsibility, that says, I'm not going to live in a pit anymore. That's not what God created me for. That's not what God wants for me. I'm not going to let these other things influence my life. And, and maybe that some of you, like me, have dealt with a, kind of that, that orf, I've got to take care of me, and you've, you've dealt with the senses of rejection and afraid that you weren't ever going to be able to, to live faithfully and prosper. Can I tell you today, we can take authority over that. We can submit our lives to God and say, God, we want your very best in our lives. And, and can I tell you, and God will give you favor. He'll, he'll bring some things up that will bless you. Under, uh, let me, last story, last story, all right? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I got a notice from our insurance comp carrier that it was time for us to renew our insurance. And so we had been, um, we, and, and it, our insurance was going up, amazingly. Our house got older, our cars got older, but our insurance go, went up. Don't get me started on that, okay? But listen, can I tell you, all of a sudden, I, I really did felt this prompting that says, it's time for you to shop your insurance. Instead of just saying, okay, and writing another check. So we called the insurance place that we deal with. 
and I asked them to shop our insurance, and they came back and they said, oh, Mr. Fisher, you know what? We, we've found a carrier that can help you better. We saved over $1,500 for the next year. I was dancing, bro. You maybe $1,500. But you know what? I believe that's the favor and the blessing of God. Because God knows our heart is to be able to do more, to be able to give more, to be able to, to live better and give better. And I believe that's what he wants for each and every person here.